calling out to the Atascacita community. It's time for your Atascacita Library advanced copy. Get your notes and news now. Hello, Atascacita community. It is December 3rd, 2021. Welcome to your advanced copy. So today we're going to be wrapping up our year. That's right. This is the last month of 2021, as if you didn't know. And we will be going to 2022 with a lot of new things going on at the library. Construction continues to progress. They are starting on the ironworks within the next couple of weeks. So that foundation is down. The extra area at the back, you might have seen that where the dumpster is got extended a little bit. And people have been wondering why that is. What is that supposed to be? Well, due to fire code and regulations, the way that our parking lot is constructed, we need to have a place for big fire trucks to be able to back up and maneuver in our parking space. So that area was extended to make that possible for large vehicles like fire engines to navigate our parking area. So that's the latest on the construction that is going on. In today's episode, staff is ready to do some predictions for 2022. Now, as you may have learned over the past year, almost year and a half of podcasts with the Atascacita staff, almost inevitably, we sort of get off topic, and this time is no different. We start out with some predictions, and then they start looking forward to what's coming out in media. So both predictions and what they're anticipating most coming in 2022, we're going to join them in that discussion in just a moment. We're also going to talk about where libraries are going, particularly since we have this construction going on, we're expanding our resources here in Atascacita. We took a moment to look back on libraries, then we looked at some of the stereotypes of libraries, and then where we're going in this next coming year. So let's get started with staff predictions of 2022. Hi, I'm Miss Darla, and we're here talking about predictions for 2022. I'm here with Janelle, Daniel, and Kimberly. Hi. Hello, I'm howdy Janelle. Oh, howdy, y'all. It's Daniel. It's Kimberly. So, 2022. We're going to go around and we'll just do some general predictions, and we'll talk about those. So, my first prediction is that the summer reading program in 2022 will be fantastic especially if the meeting room is complete by that point. I'm excited uh, because it's like an under the sea theme. So I want to do like all these underwater decorations. So I'm thinking about all those kinds of things. And my final prediction, I think that our friends of the Atascacita Library president, Becky Berry, is going to get a Nobel Peace Prize for all the stuff she does for us. I think we would all agree. We would all yes. support that. We would be more than willing to eat Swedish fish to get that. Yes. Exactly. It's a lutefisk. Yeah. I might pass on that. <laughs> so we had actually talked about Netflix 2022 anime lineup. And we're all kind of cautiously optimistic. Mm-hmm. I guess would be the word for it. Uh, with the new uh, Cowboy Bebop live action, 
other things they have going on. You know, we've been bur- I've been burned in the past with Death Note. Mm-hmm. Really, I'm hoping that the Cowboy Bebop lives up, you know, to it, the original source. I think it will be pretty decent compared to previous live adaptations. And what's really cool is that they brought the original composer and the band Seatbelts that did the theme song Tank for Cowboy Bebop. So that was really cool. And that kind of gives us more of like a secure feeling that it will be okay. Well, you can't have Cowboy Bebop with the iconic, without the iconic soundtrack. And so, yeah, that's an idea that maybe they're being more respectful of the source material and they won't go off on a weird American tangent and ruin it. So I, I'm, I am, like I said, cautiously optimistic. We talked about before that, you know, sometimes the Japanese live action ones are not exactly the best. Attack on Titan is just a hot mess. The, the live action one is just completely tears up the original source material. So, you know, it can't be worse than, than Death Note and Attack on Titan. So, I think Kimberly would agree, so Daniel as well, that Ruini Kenshin's live actions are oh, amazing. Those, those are, yes. 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 Those are amazing and totally worth seeing in the theater if you can come by it. Yes. I, I would see. just like to be able to find it on DVD in English. For a reasonable price. Yes, for yes. not, you know, an arm and a leg. Unfortunately, we don't have it in our system, but you can enter library alone, the um, DVDs, if you're interested. That's what I did. <laughs> me too, because Kimberly <laughs> told me. <laughs> and on another kind of anime-related tangent, 2022, Sony has gone on a buying spree. They bought Crunchyroll. They bought, a few years ago, they dro- bought Drama Fever, which is a, was a major uh, source of K-dramas, Korean dramas, so, you know, Sony's kind of like building all these assets to release this huge streaming platform. So they have, they own Funimation, they own Crunchyroll now, they own Drama Fever. I'm trying to think of some of the other assets they bought. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of streaming services now, and I find myself just overwhelmed with not being able to find anything to watch. Yes. So I just get <laughs> frustrated and put my phone away and go do something else. I saw a meme the other day is like, when will someone come up with the idea of bundling all the streaming services together and basically just reinventing cable? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Once again, we're back to where we started. Yeah. That's another thing I worry about is like, you know, having one big company, you know, buying up all these assets and owning all this stuff, you know, then we, Crunchyroll has been very good with us. The library providing us with free streaming, we don't have to have a light, you know, they give us a license for free, but if you don't know, all of our anything we show in the library movie wise has to have a license that we pay for. So I'm a little worried about it, but I think it will be okay. Knock you on wood. Yes. Yes. And for other pop culture things, uh, it's a throw out to a series I was just calculating how long I've been following, which is more than half my life, to the mm. Wheel of Time. <gasps> yes. Which comes out by the time you probably hear this, and I will have watched all the episodes binge them a couple of times. I am excited. Uh, I'm not excited enough to go re-download the character map of all 800 plus characters and each of their little side quests and bios <laughs> to keep track of who is who. Yes. Which is a wonderful thing that fantasy writers do. Most people think that that's kind of odd, but yeah, when you have these huge series like Wheel of Time or Song of Ice and Fire, you have to kind of have a roadmap. 
maybe in 2022. I know I say this, but I probably say this every year. Maybe we will get winds of winter. Wait a minute. Yes. 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 We all have to stop and think. <laughs> which which book is he on? What, what what is the title of the book that I've been waiting for for like I don't know how long is it now? So are we talking about Game of Thrones? Yes. Oh, okay. It I'm is. just trying to keep up. The book that's been due out for like a decade now. So maybe it'll light a fire under George. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't think anything will light a fire under him. Well, and other books we're hoping for. Uh, so definitely hoping that we this year had gotten Patrick Rothfuss' final book in his trilogy, the Stone Door, Door of Stone. Uh, it's, but you know there there are rumblings out there on the interwebs about it coming next year. So. But they've been saying that for the past five years, ten years. <laughs> Some large amount that I desperately need this book. Writers, start writing, please. Please don't leave us hanging. Something that's not a book, but it's been promised for a really long time, is Top Gun 2. I've been <laughs> yeah. super excited about that. When I heard about it the first time, I was reading it on my phone in the parking lot here at the library, and I screamed. I was so excited. And then they announced in this really big fashion about the date it was coming out and it was going to be in the summer of 2020. So they decided to push it back to November and then they just pushed it back again to next summer. And I am dying. I love the first Top Gun. I'm a huge Tom Cruise fan. So I'm really excited for it to come out. I'm, I'm going to predict it's going to come out because otherwise I might spontaneously combust. <laughs> I think they're going to have to, yeah. at some point, release the movie. Let it go. <laughs> Please. In IMAX, because I was going to go see it in IMAX with my dad. Oh. <laughs> That's what I was going to give him for his birthday in the March of 2020. Like, I was going to buy, pre-buy the tickets to go. And then, like, the week, my dad's birthday is on March the 10th, and that was the week we got shut down. Oh. Yeah. So I was like, well... No bother. Can't go anywhere right now anyway, so I'm very sad about it still. I so. predict it would be good in IMAX. It would so. be great in IMAX. <laughs> there are some movies that are just really... I have not seen the new, the new Dune yet, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it in, in IMAX. Oh, I'm not sure if I'll do that. I was just going to wait. <laughs> but it, it seems like a really good IMAX type of movie. Mm-hmm. Having seen it. And having followed the June franchise for the past mm-hmm. 30 years, uh, it's, it was worth seeing in the theater. Yeah, I was telling one of our teens today, I said, they were asking about the book, and I said, well, you're going to have to get on a waiting list. I said, waiting list is not that bad. I think it's 24 people. But I was like, yeah, I read that book in middle school and uh, made a huge impact on me. And so I'm looking forward to seeing the 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 new movie and seeing, because I've heard so many wonderful things about it. So, Speaking of that particular child we're talking about, Darla and I were out by the display earlier and I saw that Dune copy in your box and I got so excited. I was like, oh, I can just like send it to this kid. And then I realized it's not Dune, it's Dune Messiah. Went, uh, never mind. The second book. <laughs> second book. <laughs> Nobody yeah. wants the second one when they want to read the first one. Yes. Yeah. Oh, another Netflix live adaptation is... Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes. And I, I saw a picture I, of that today. Of yes, the cast. Yes. yes. I didn't see the full cast, but I saw like the main four characters. And what's really exciting about it is that it's mostly people of Asian descent. That's what Avatar is kind of about. It's like inspired by Chinese culture. 
mostly Chinese culture, I believe. I'm not sure about Japanese or Korean, but I'll, I'll just say East Asian culture. And also um, Native American as well, because the water tribe seems mm-hmm. to have more of like Inuit type of yes. influence. That's what I was going to say. They have a, a very, uh, that's very predominant in there. Yeah. So. And this week I saw that Uncle Iroh was casted yes. by, I forgot how to say his last Sun, name. Sunman? His first name is Paul. I don't know how to say his last name, but he he is in Kim's Convenience, which you can watch on Netflix. It's an, it's a really nice um, Korean-Canadian comedy. I was very excited when I was going to bring that up. It was like I saw that casting today. I was like, oh, yay! Because he very much looks the part. Yes, oh, yes. and his demeanor is similar, too, as well. So that's really awesome. And with Daniel Day Kim, he's yes. also going to be in this live live action as well as Fire Lord Ozai, I believe. So I'm just I'm excited. Also kind of like hesitant as well because just being cautious about it. It's it was with that with anything. So it's yeah. like you have this source material that you're very attached to and you want to see it translated properly to the screen and you know they can't do everything because then it would be like nine hour long movies like in the case of dune you know can't do every little thing but you can at least be reflect the source material and be respectful of the source material or the m night i forgot how to say his last name Sh- uh, shamalan the m m night shamalan version of the last airbender they had to title it the last airbender because avatar the movie with the blue people came out around the same time. Yes. <laughs> it's good not to get those very two confusing. <laughs> two completely oh different stories. Yeah. And it was something that was, it wasn't like it was, you know, it was a, it was very recent when the movie came out. And it was kind of like, well, how, you know, I understand reinterpreting something that's 30, 40 years old or something, but this was not a reinterpretation. This was not a adaptation this was like i just write your own original screenplay that's my thing when someone does an adaptation of something and they go so far from the source material that the source material is unrecognizable then it's like why don't you write your own original screenplay so do we have any predictions about like societal changes or anything going on Hmm. i'm gonna say next year is gonna be a big year for travel Mm -hmm. uh, both domestically internationally and then also i think movie industry uh, the theater industry is going to bounce back because everyone will be wanting to go out and experience those movies together. And I think that's why they're holding off on Top Gun and stuff like that because they want to get the most bang for their buck and they realize that when everybody can go to the movies, then it's going to be a big movie summer. We're going to have a blockbuster summer and hopefully a blockbuster summer here at the library too. One of my predictions is the regulation of Bitcoin and the, the use of Bitcoin. But I think Bitcoin and any kind of cryptocurrency is starting to go more mainstream. You know, there are companies, I know companies that accept Bitcoin. In fact, we'll actually give you a discoin. Dis, discoin? A discoin? <laughs> Where can I sign up for that? My, I love it. Premiering soon, Miss Darla's new new uh, cryptocurrency, Discoin. Uh, they'll give you a discount by uh, buying with cryptocurrency. So... It was one of those things that I had, but I do think cryptocurrency will also come under government regulation because, you know, when people are making millions of dollars off of something, eventually it's going to get taxed. So 
you're investing right now and making good money, put some money aside because eventually Uncle Sam gets his share. Yep. We always say the IRS is the one that got Al Capone, so. I'm just looking forward to a go-back-to-normal kind of lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, I pretty much live that way as it is. Just be cautious, but I think we've all learned to carry hand sanitizer this yes. way. We've, yes. lear- we've learned in the past two years, apparently, before 2020, people didn't wash their hands at all. Because, yeah, when you have to tell people to wash your hands, I was like, well, I've always washed my hands. Has this not been a thing? So... Now, apparently, now everybody washes their hands properly. So, so any other predictions? Mm. We'll have the, the Houstons go to the Super Bowl. Why not? 2022. The Houstons? The Houston. Houstons. Texans. Houston. Texans. <laughs> We're going the Houston. Sports, <laughs> Sports, Sports, Sports ball. Sports ball team will go to the They'll make a goal. Go (laughs) basket. Do the thing. Earn the points. Go sports. Yes. Well, that's it for our 2022 predictions. I'm Darla. I'm Janelle. I'm Daniel. And I'm Kimberly. Happy 2022. Woo! Woo! All acquaintance be. You've been listening to Atascacita Library Advanced Coffee. Hi, everybody. I am joined today by Darla and Kimberly, and we're going to talk about libraries. And we're going to do libraries in general, the concept of libraries, and how they are used today. Now, the first thing I want to tell you is about the library concept. The concept of the library is thousands of years old. The first systematically organized library was from the 7th century BCE in contemporary Iraq. And it had about 30,000 tablets. And no, I don't know what it was organized by. What was their checkout policy? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know that either, really. But I have a feeling since they were tablets, they probably didn't leave. And I know for a fact they were not organized by Dewey. So there are some other older libraries in the United States, not older than the BCE, but old libraries in the United States, and I'm going to share those with you later. But first, I want to talk with Darla and Kimberly about the idyllic picture of libraries, particularly the way that we perceive them in the United States. So, Darla, what's one of the, like, first, perhaps, preconceptions, misconceptions people have about libraries? That we are a book depository or an archive that you can get absolutely any book at any time at a specific branch and unfortunately we do not archive newspaper we do online we do have online resources where you can find these things but we do not have every copy of the houston chronicle we do not have every in the actual library and we you know we have current items that are circulating and you know so we're not just this place where you can get any possible book we have interlibrary loan we have ways to get them Yeah, I think that's one of the things is the idea that libraries are archives and not every library is archival. There are some that are and there are some in Houston that do archival work. But many of our branches are more what we call community branches, which means they have more recent information, they're leisure and learning for pleasure and for growth but not necessarily like we don't carry textbooks and we don't carry things that are specific to a college course. What are other preconceived notions Kimberly? That 
All the librarians are old. They have the glasses on the end of their nose with a bun on the back of their head with the ugly shoes and that we shush everyone. And that's definitely not the case. I don't think I'm 15 years of working in public libraries that have ever shushed somebody, but I have definitely been shushed. We have all been shushed. Yeah, we've shushed ourselves, but not anybody else. In fact, that we dressed up for Halloween as that, like, preconceived notion of what librarians look like, and very few people got it. They didn't realize (laughs) that we were kind of mocking our, the stereotypical librarian. Some did. Some came in and, and kind of chuckled. Yeah, there's always the running joke about library. Every librarian has a cardigan and a cat. I well, have cardigans true. and cats. I have cardigans <laughs> and cats. I, I, I held out. I did not have a cat till 2018. And I started work here in 2005. So it took me a while. But yes, I officially was rewarded a cat by the universe. I'm like, well, I'm officially a librarian. I have a cat. And that same year, I ended up with a card catalog, a vintage card catalog. So I'm like, oh, well. Yeah, I also have a card catalog. I do not have a card catalog, so I'm. And I'd like to say that the cat is my daughter's cat, but no, really, it's it's my cat. And I'm going to tell you something about the cardigans because in libraries it's cold, and there's a reason for that because we have to keep the humidity down for the best temperature of the materials, and so the best way to conquer that in Texas is to make it cold in the building so yes when you visit if you tend to be chilly bring a jacket because it will be cold in here you have other preconceived notions that uh, go around well that it's you know quiet it's a quiet (laughs) space and that that you can you know quiet uh, quiet and reflection a place of quiet and reflection in fact one time i uh was watching an ASMR video and the person obviously had never worked in libraries and was talking about, oh, this is a quiet space and, you know, it's soundproofed and da 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 And I'm like, mm, nope, because then toddler story time lets out and chaos ensues. Yes. So, yes, we do. We uh, have quiet study rooms, but we... Study room. Yeah, study room. Room at this time. Yeah. Hopefully another study room will be coming. But yes, we have just the one. And it's not soundproof. No. So, no. Apologies for that. But if you go in there and you decide that you really need to get into the music while you're studying, we will all be sharing in that moment. And if toddler story time is going on and it, the study room backs up to the meeting room, you're going to be listening to toddler story time. Yes. Which is very pleasant sometimes. It can be very entertaining. It, yes. it really can. You can be part of story time, but on a different room. Yes. So, yeah, quiet spaces. It really depends on the time of day. Like you said, mm-hmm. there are times when the library is a great place for studying or working. Um, a lot of resources, like if you don't have a printer at home, you, you can use that here. And we even have mobile printing. But... Now, if there's a program going on, we encourage teens to come, and we've got a group that comes and does their D&D campaigns in our teen area, So, and they can get enthusiastic. And so that sound travels, and we want them to come and enjoy the library. So like we said before, we tend to not shush people unless it gets way too rowdy, and then it's not really a shush. It's more like... Hey guys, glad you're enjoying your your gaming, but we needed you to take it down a little bit. (laughs) Take it down one octave, okay? That'd be cool. Go down a little. Be considerate of other people using the library. Yeah. So another stereotype that we definitely get known for 
is that we just sit around and read all day. Oh, oh yeah. yes. That definitely does not no. happen. In fact, I get really tickled when people are surprised that I haven't read every single book in the building. Every person has their type of book. Although on that note, please let us know if you thought a read was a good one, because if we run into another customer who likes the same kind of stuff, we can say, oh, hey, we had someone that came in that really liked this book. Let me get it for you. So even if we don't like say, oh, yeah, I've read that one, getting that information is great because then we can pass it on to somebody else. That's true. So those are our kind of preconceived notions. And one of the other things that I want to talk about in the meeting of several different needs within the community, and this is a troubling topic, but one that we need to, as librarians, understand that we have not always been on the right side of history. We are learning, we are always learning and growing and moving forward. But in our past, we have not always been the bastions of welcoming based on a lot of different things. So thoughts on that, Darla? When you said that, I thought of the the astronaut um, McNair. Yeah. When he was a child, he was denied a library card because he's black. And in the time and date, he went to get it. And it wasn't in Harris County, but it was somewhere else. He was denied a library card. And now the branch where he was denied a library card is actually named after him. So libraries have not always been open to all. And American libraries uh, specifically were private subscription services in the day. They were not open to all. And it was Carnegie and people like that that, you know, began realizing that libraries would be a public service. Lately, we've been doing a lot of the homeless training. Mm -hmm. And so libraries are becoming more open and welcome to homeless individuals, particularly I think about over at the Octavia Fields branch, they do a lot of work with uh, distributing food for the food bank and collecting materials. Libraries are becoming a lot more open to helping the homeless get back on their feet. We are always trying to learn from our past and open up avenue of libraries to everyone in the community. And that leads us into the expansion. So some of the goals of having the new meeting room, which is what they're building on the front of the library, is a meeting room that's twice the size of our older meeting room. Yay! (laughs) Is we'll have, you know, be able to do voting here without impacting the programming that we have. So that's meeting multiple needs of our community. We will also have a visual media room for our teens. Darlene, you want to talk about that? Pre-pandemic, 2019, we actually were endowed with a grant from Best Buy to start AV Club. And we actually started it in February of 2020. In fact, we had a podcasting program March 17th of 2020, and that was one of the first programs canceled. So we've been working online. We've been kind of trying to get it started online, got people interested, and we're kind of ready to roll. We'll be doing films, podcasts, you know, working with teens in the neighborhood to do, you know, media projects, partnering with the schools to do media projects. So we're really looking forward to it. And we are also going to be able to do things like tax aid without, again, interrupting other programming we have going on, like computer classes, which Kimberly used to help teach. Yeah, on occasion I do that. And when the uh, tax aid folks are here, 
I can no longer use this room. And so uh, we'd have to go out in the library and do that. And that just got really complicated because people would stop me while I'm trying to teach the computer class and ask for help. And it's like, well, who do I help first? My computer class or do I direct them to the busy desk that has a line of people? That can be complicated. And then throw in voting at the same time. So at mm-hmm. one time we had the, the AARP people here and they took over our young adult area. And then we had computer classes happening and voting going on all at the same time. And that just made life very, very difficult in such a small building. Yes, and it was frustrating for the community as well to find just which room they were supposed to be going Mm -hmm. in at the time. And so this way we'll be able to meet a lot more needs of our community. As we've said, libraries are constantly growing. We're trying to meet the needs of the community. We're going to adapt with them. We're going to offer resources. And we appreciate that you all come and visit us. Come and see what's going on at the library with the expansion. They have more going on with the meeting room. They're starting to work on the ironworks portion of that. And in the future, we'll be getting a new chiller. They have to put in one that can accommodate the extra space that we're adding. One thing I would like to say, uh, just say, is that we are really looking forward to all of this being not just finished, but to being able to welcome you back into the meeting room, into programs. We're, we are kind of chomping at the bit. People make the library, the interaction and get to talk to people. And someone came in that I've been on the desk, so I haven't seen them since we reopened. And it was just so nice to see this person and talk with them and find out what was going on. Yeah, so, even, even though we've been doing programs online and just, I was doing the stats yesterday and July of this past year, we had 36 programs provided to the community. The dynamic is completely different. Yes. And it's, it's gonna be really exciting when we can have people back into the programs and uh, get to see you all and hear about what's going on with you. And we won't have to put the giant children's programs in the middle of the library. So. Yes, yes. that's going to be fantastic. <laughs> Although I will say, you know, when we talk about libraries, everybody thinks it's quiet. It was so heartwarming to hear those teens play D&D. That, yes. that wasn't that a Saturday. Yes. It was so unexpected and it just felt like, okay, things are returning to normal. Yes. It, that was a lot of fun. Or when you, when you hear the children in the uh, children's area playing, even though they can get a little loud and they get a little squealy, it warms your heart to hear things coming back to normal. I actually feel kind of bad. And, you know, I don't know if the teens listen to our podcast, but I want to apologize. We were just so happy you were here. Yes. yes. That we were like, bombarding you with, like, hey, how did you know about this? Hey, it's good have some you. candy. Have some candy. <laughs> I brought out Takis. Yes. Like, Here, have some Takis. Have some stuff. so happy. We have a Monday night program usually when we are open. Monday nights is Teen Takeover, and teens determine what program is going to happen, and they run the program, and it's always so much fun. So, And we've been doing, pre-pandemic, we were doing D&D. And so when I saw the group came in, I was like, I just want to cry. Yeah. It reminds me of our D&D days. Thank you for joining me for talking about libraries, where we've been, and where particularly Atascacita Branch Library is going. It's been fun. Thanks for having me over. And thanks for listening. As I mentioned in that discussion, I have some information on older libraries, libraries in the United States that have a particular 
oldest element to it. Now, none of these libraries are the 7th century BCE, like the one library in uh, modern day Iraq, but they have all their qualities. Now, I found this information at sturgislibrary.org slash oldest hyphen library. The Sturgis Library is located in Cape Cod, and people are always asking them evidently if it is the oldest library in the United States. The thing is, they found out when they did their research that it wasn't quite that simple. Now, I'm not going to read all of this word for word. I'm just going to hit some of the highlights because, as we librarians do, started doing a little more digging into oldest. So, while the building was constructed in 1644 for Reverend John Lorthrop, founder of Barnstable, the house which forms the original part of the library is the oldest building housing a public library in the United States. That's their little caveat. It's actually the oldest building. Now, the Lorthrop room, with it has beamed ceilings and pumpkin-colored wideboard floors, is a quintessential Cape Cod house. And I really feel like I need to go see this place because it just sounds really, really cool. Beyond the oldest building, though, there are some other ones that have their own claims, like the Library Company of Burlington. It's in New Jersey, and it was founded in November of 1757. They sent the petition to King George II to grant them a license to operate a business, and the charter was received January 1st of 1758. And if you think about it, that's a pretty good turnaround for the 1700s. I mean, you sent in a charter in November and you got it back in January. I'm actually rather impressed that charter got turned around. It has been in continuous operation for 255 years, and they have their complete library records from that beginning. That is probably a trip worth taking for all of the library fans out there who like to go see libraries in other places. I myself have visited libraries in England, in New Zealand, in China, Germany, France, and across the United States. I just love visiting them and what makes them each unique. So we always say here in Harris County that our 26 branches are each unique, even though we're part of the same system. And that's kind of true everywhere. Every library has its own feel. It's comforting and yet different. They also found a reference from the History Magazine that the oldest library in America began with a 400-book donation by a clergyman, John Harvard. And of course, I think you recognize that name. It eventually became a university founded and honored adopting his name. And then there was another clergyman who established the first free lending libraries in the late 1600s. Now, subscription libraries, the members paid dues and the borrowing privileges were free. Those were in the 1700s, and 1731 is the one that Ben Franklin and a few others got together and started the Library Company of Philadelphia. So then we have the Library of Congress, which was in ashes after the British burned it down in 1812, but then the library bought Thomas Jefferson's collection in 1815 and used that as the foundation to rebuild. So there's a lot of history of libraries in the United States. The Darby Free Library 
contends that it's the oldest public library in continuous service since 1743. But then the Peterborough Town Library in New Hampshire says it's the first tax-supported free public library, not only in the United States, but in the world. And it was established in 1833. There's a lot of firsts out there in the library world. One last one I want to leave you with is the Boston Public Library, which holds evidently a lot of first distinctions. It is the first publicly supported free municipal library in the world, the first library to establish space designated especially for children, and it claims it is the only public library in the country that also serves as a presidential library since their holdings include the papers of John Adams. They do note that the Forbes Library in Northampton, Massachusetts, however, might dispute that since they hold the papers of President Calvin Coolidge. That website did a lot of great gathering of information about libraries, but Atascacita right now is looking to the future. And for our future, we've got some great programming coming up. Don't miss out on Monday Masterpieces, these limited edition crafts are for ages 8 to 12. You do need to register online through our events calendar so we can prepare the right amount of kits. This month, on December 6th, we'll start giving out the kits to make winter-themed ornaments and keychains. We'll hold those kits through December 11th for those who have registered. That's Monday Masterpieces for Children's 8 to 12. Register online and then pick up the kits starting December 6th. Also that week, we have Tell Me a Tale Tuesday at 4.15 on Tuesday, December 7th, and Virtual Tales for Tots on Wednesday, December 8th at 10 a.m. These do require registration so you can get the Zoom link for the event. And it's a chilly time right now because we're going to read stories about penguins. Get us all ready for winter. Remember, that's Tell Me a Tale Tuesday at 4.15 on Tuesday the 7th and Virtual Tales for Tots at 10 a.m. on December 8th. Want to make those gift wrap presents a little extra special this year? Well, adults, we've got crafts to go. Starting December 13th, you can pick up your DIY gift tag kit while supplies last. That's starting December 13th. Get your craft to go DIY gift tags and give that extra special touch to your gift wrapping this season. Thank you for joining us on this Atascacita Branch Library advanced copy for December 2021. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave a comment or a like. We do appreciate that. It helps others find our program. Also, keep up to date with everything going on the library through our social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as always, hcpl.net, which has the most recent updated information on services at the library. Thank you, and all have a wonderful and safe holiday season. You've been listening to Atascacita Library Advanced Copy. Find information on media used and resources mentioned on our podcast webpage. This podcast is produced by the staff of Atascacita Branch Library, a part of the Harris County Public Library System. Funds for the podcast are provided by a grant from Best Buy through the Friends of Atascacita Library. 
Find out more about this 501c3 organization at fol.ws. That's F-O-A-L dot W-S.